Well, hello everybody. We're back. We had an unscheduled break last week because the week where we would be recording was the week of Christmas. That is true. And I did not have time to do anything. You didn't. So that's why we weren't there. But we do hope that you had a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. To all who observe. To all who observe. (laughs) Specifically New Year. I wish uh, happiness to everybody, including people who don't observe Happiness? (laughs) What? Stop twisting my words. What fun would that be? Oh no, I got a Christmas song in my head Uh, when you said that. I hope it's a good one. I hope it's Big Frida. (laughs) It isn't, unfortunately, but that would have been great. Much better than whatever it was in your head. I agree, but now we're... So we've so we've all survived the um, the holiday season. We all the well, I mean, we've got Groundhog Day coming up, and then Valentine's Day after that, and then like Arbor Day and April Fool's Day. We're still in the thick of it. Oh, St. Patrick's Day. You missed Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. I sure did. <laughs> Let's get into it. Okay. Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I am Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, and this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who has somehow never seen The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. How novel. (laughs) The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files, spoiler-free. This week, we are talking about Season 2, Episode 9, Firewalker. Also known as Firewalk With Me. Because I kept saying it. I couldn't stop saying fire. Walk <laughs> with me. It originally aired November 18th, 1994. It was written by Howard Gordon by himself again. Oh. And directed by David Nutter. I believe it's his 10th episode. Oh. Do you want to get into the cast or into IMDb's description first? Uh, cast, I guess. Okay. We have a, as you called it, a... A who's who of that guys. Yes. There are so many that guys that we're going to cover five of them. (laughs) So first, we have Bradley Whitford as Dr. Daniel Trepkos. He was in Get Out. Yep. Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. And Jurassic World Camp Crustaceous. <laughs> wow. He plays Mitch. He is the voice actor for the character Mitch. So, And I think it is a cartoon. Sounds like a cartoon. He's also in one third of everything that's ever been made. Oh! <laughs> because Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, and Bradley Whitford. One of them is in everything that's ever been made. <laughs> Even if you don't see them, they're in there somewhere. <laughs> I wonder, I wish I had looked at how many credits he had now on IMDb. He has to have so many credits. Because you looked at Hiro Kanagawa, who we're going to get to later, and he had something like, like 201, yeah. something like that. <sighs> All right, so next we have Leland Orser as Jason Ludwig. He was in Seven. Uh, seven N. Yes, <laughs> he was in that one. Do you know what his character was? I don't. I've seen that movie once, like when it came out. So. It's the same. He was crazed man in massage parlor. Oh, 
So he was playing me. Oh. <laughs> Anytime I'm in a massage parlor, I'm crazed. Yikes. How often are you in massage parlors? <laughs> not, not often anymore. I've been banned. Oh, God. For being crazed. Are you just getting, like, happy endings, or what's your no, situation I'm in crazed. massage parlors? I'm just in massage parlors going, woo, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> We are in Tampa. There are 11 <laughs> per corner. <laughs> he was also in Taken, Taken 2, Ooh. and Taken 3. Ooh. Then we have Shawnee Smith as Jesse O'Neill. She was in Saw 1, 2, 3, and six. Oh, and six. I haven't seen most of those movies. I've seen the first movie. Yeah. And then caught bits and pieces when you guys were watching them. Yes. We watched all the way to at least six. I don't know how many there actually are. <laughs> at some point, we lost steam and <laughs> stopped yeah. watching them. <laughs> she was also the voice of Mariska in the video game Lollipop Chainsaw. Lovely. I just thought that was a fun name. She was in a sitcom that I used to watch when I was a kid. Mm. I remember it from that. Did she have terrible bangs in the sitcom? No, just this show. <laughs> just, just this episode of uh, The X-Files because it's... Ooh, ooh, her hair is brutal. Yes, it is. We also have Tuck Milligan as Dr. Adam Pierce. Hell of a name. He is the voice of poor Joe in Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, I don't remember poor Joe from, <laughs> from that game. I don't have anything that he was actually in. I scrolled through his IMDb, and I don't think I recognized anything. So. Wow. Tuck Milligan. You know him from having the name Tuck Milligan. Yeah. And then Hiro um, Kanagawa as Peter Tanaka. Tanaka, no S. He was in Fifty Shades Freed. Oh, awesome. He was Detective Clark, in case anybody saw that. Possibly you with all of your massage parlor <laughs> antics. It's always playing in the background. <laughs> And he was, was, is the voice of Reed Richards and Mr. Fantastic in Fantastic Four colon World's Greatest Heroes. Reed Richards and Mr. Fantastic? Yep. Wow. Are they the same person? That's the same character. Is that like Batman and (laughs) And Bruce Bruce Wayne? Wayne? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way you said that. Reed Richards and Mr. Fantastic. Well, I think, honestly, you should have different people voice to different people if you want them, if you want other people not to notice. Like, who doesn't know Bruce Wayne is Batman? Look at that jaw. Do you not recognize that jaw? Everybody in Gotham does not. It's wild. I recognize people just by their silhouette. Uh, That's super weird. I I don't know why that's weird, but I don't need to know what your entire face looks like or else I completely have no idea who you are. Oh yeah? Uh, let me show you a picture of Eli Roth and Zachary Quinto next to each other. No! Uh-huh. You, you did! Yeah. You showed me a picture while we were watching Zachary Quinto. Yeah. And then you showed me a picture of Eli Roth and I said... Yeah, that's, that's the, the guy we're guy. watching. eyebrows looked a little funny but i was like i don't know maybe it was just a (laughs) different picture i don't know all right well there's egg on my face if i cared about remembering anybody's faces i always made the same joke of how do you not know that superman is clark kent until like i became got uh, like my late 30s and i started looking at people who were popular (laughs) 
like <laughs> celebrities, and I'm like, I can't tell any of these people apart. That's true, but if you know the person, <sighs> maybe. it's not like I know strangers by their silhouette, but if I see you every single day, I can tell by the way that you're walking on stairs who it is. <laughs> I'm just saying that I cannot tell the difference between most people anymore. Do you know who I am? Vaguely. <laughs> Is it only because I've been sitting here for two days? It's because we sleep in the same bed. <laughs> oh, I see. If somebody else tried to sleep in that bed, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> that's not my wife. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Recognize it immediately. Uh, what did you think about this episode? I liked it. It, <laughs> it felt like an X-Files episode, which the last few haven't. Mm-hmm. And I think they were they were on to something, but they didn't quite get to where they were going, I think. Yeah. I feel like maybe Howard Gordon needs Alex Ganza. Ooh. They just work better as a team. Because the second time I watched it through, I thought to myself, this script could, could have used another pass. It really just, the, I think the script needed cleaned up a bit mm-hmm. to kind of tie some more things together. Yes. One specific thing I have for the end. Okay. Yeah. Well, in a retrospective on the second season in Entertainment Weekly, the episode was rated a D minus. Oh, I'd have given it more than a D minus. The review described it as insultingly bad. Wow. Oh my God. What did the, the those people say about gender bender? I don't know. I didn't. I I only looked up this episode. <laughs> Um, noting that it seemed to be ripping off both the first season episode Ice and the 1979 film Alien. People like to say everything's ripping off Alien. Yeah, I think. So I'm not... Because it's one of the first real big sci-fi hits. Yeah. I, I feel like, okay, they were in a cave. The end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's some, I guess something was bursting out of skin. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, I guess, yeah, all right. But there's no way the Alien was the first or... There's only no yeah. right it's people just love to say alien and here's my take on that specific line this episode wasn't good enough to be a ripoff of wow. alien <laughs> um, it did feel like a ripoff of ice uh what did chris carter call it because he said this uh said it about ice and um darkness falls it was a type of episode it was bottle episode bottle episode yeah yeah this is definitely a bottle episode, and it, it just felt it it felt too close to ice. I think, yeah, in in timeline. Especially, I okay. So I wrote down way later. It's their quarantine episode for season two. Yes. Apparently, they're gonna do a quarantine episode like once a season. But yep. So the production was inspired by a true story. Oh, okay. So Howard Gordon was inspired to write the episode after seeing two news reports about Project Dante, a robotic explorer created by NASA that had been sent into a volcano. Oh, cool. Who knew? Uh, Howard Gordon. He did. Gordon felt that the episode allowed him to explore the possible results of Mulder's search for the truth, echoing this in the mindset of Daniel Trepkos and the interactions between the two characters. He noted that, Quote, the natural endpoint of this quest for the truth is madness. Unquote. Ah. Comparing Mulder's treatment of Trepkos with the events of the novel Heart of Darkness, which I didn't read. So what do you think about it being inspired by a true story? Did it feel inspired? 
I don't think you can say that it was inspired by a true story. It's inspired by the fact that they sent a robot into a volcano. Right. I agree. So then back to some of the broadcast and reception. Um, I did a little bit of this pre-before we get into the episode just to set up kind of what other people were talking about at the time. And then writing for the AV Club, Zach Hanlon felt that Firewalker represented a back-to-basics approach to the series. Kind of like what you said, this feels like an X-Files more than some of the other ones. Following the previous story arc uh, relating to Scully's abduction. So I I think that's true. Hanlon wrote that the episode could have been a total waste of time (laughs) elsewhere in the season's schedule, but served as a competent enough means of reuniting the main characters. Yeah, okay. So also not glowing, but better than the D- that uh, Entertainment Weekly gave it in their retrospective. Uh, How did you feel about these physical effects? When the thing is like in their throat, it, it looked real. It's so gross. Oh, yeah, it was brutal to watch. Yeah, it was. And they never actually show the thing shoot out, because I think that probably was... Out of budget? Yeah, out of budget. (laughs) Yeah. But I'd I'd say the practical effects are pretty good. So did Howard Gordon, and I agree. It was pretty gross. So Howard Gordon praised physical effects supervisor Toby Lindala's work on the episode, quipping that Lindala's effects, quote, won the gross-out award, quote. (laughs) He also praised Nutter's job at directing the episode. Oh, that's good. So, I wanted to say some good things, and so did Howard Gordon. Carter, though, I realized, will praise everything. Carter thinks everything is the best. Oh, really? So, Carter said that Firewalker was a very successful episode. (laughs) Has he said anything even slightly neutral about any episode? Not that I've seen. He seems to be like, this is the greatest episode ever. I don't know what anybody's talking about. I don't really remember us talking about his opinions on stuff, so I can't tell you. I've mentioned it a couple times. Anytime he comes up, he's like, this is a great episode. I loved it. Yeah. David Nutter added a nice directorial touch, and the guest appearances were very good. It continues that quote from Carter. Yeah, the guest appearances were very good. Yeah. But that's because they got a bunch of really good actors. Right. <laughs> Apparently before they were... Very famous. I think Bradley Whitford probably had only done Billy Madison at this point. <laughs> oh, don't look, Billy Madison. <laughs> movie is a masterpiece. All right, well, we'll talk How about that. How dare you? We'll talk about that off mic. A masterpiece. When we start our Billy Madison podcast. Ugh, when is that? I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? We watch Billy Madison every week for a year. Oh, just straight up rip off uh, the worst idea of all time. Yes. <laughs> Except with an actual good movie. Yes. Yeah, I like it. Wait, did you just trick me into saying yes, Billy Madison? Totally a did. Movie. Yep. What movie did they use? Not th- this year, or I guess last year, they did Grown Ups 2. Ugh. <laughs> they watched it every week for a year. Ugh. The uh, McElroy brothers watch Paul Blart Mall Cop once a year, but they just revisit it once a year. I can't remember what the time schedule is for it, but it's the same movie and they're just like, well, it's time to watch it again. (laughs) So it's not a brand new idea, but I guess, I guess we could do that. We're not going to though. Oh, damn. So scene one. (laughs) (laughs) California Institute of Technology Volcano Observatory. Pasadena, California, 2.45 a.m. It isn't a satellite glitch. Okay. 
Somebody says, must be a satellite glitch. Oh. So my first note is, it isn't a satellite glitch. <laughs> gotcha. Otherwise, this wouldn't be the episode. Come on now. We get emergency transmission. Cascade Volcano Research Team requests immediate airlift. As the techs play with their joysticks, because remember the guys are in that room. Aiming the camera. They see a body. It's funny because they pan across the body and like, there's a body. And right. then they're like, wait, go back. <laughs> go back. Go back. I think that was a body. And I was like... Like you had to be really observant to see it. Right. And only Pierce saw it. Right. <laughs> it's like, that was, that was a full-blown person. <laughs> <laughs> so they joystick their way back to the body. And they it turns out that it's Erickson because even in this volcano observatory situation they can do that cool zoom in and clarify the screen <laughs> zoom in enhance it's so something i want my eyeballs to just be able to do that'd be cool yeah that's what i'm hoping for my contact upgrade to be nice wouldn't that be great uh it turns out it's erickson and he isn't alone because we see the shadow and there's only one thing i know that can survive near a volcano this close water bears scuzzlebutt Mmm, baby, every time that we kiss, hot lava. Every time that we make love, that's lava, hot lava. Lava so hot it makes me sweat. Lava so warm and red, lava. Scuzzlebutt. You don't know what scuzzlebutt is? Scuzzlebutt is a creature that lives up on this very mountain and kills anybody who dares climb to the top. Why? Because it loves the taste of blood and likes to add pieces to its deformed body. Scuzzlebutt is this ancient uh, mammalian cryptid who is huge and ginormous and has a celery stalk for his right hand. And where his left leg should be is TV's Patrick Duffy. What is this from? South Park. Oh, I was, I was like, you aren't making this up right now. This so. was episode like two of South Park wow. entitled Volcano. And it was when I knew I loved that show. I because see. The, it was so absurd. I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It is absurd. I was also like 22. Or was absurd. I don't know. I don't know what it is anymore. Right. Yeah. I haven't watched it in a long time <laughs> at this point. Well, they see the shadow. It's not a ghost signal either. Just in case you're thinking that maybe the shadow and the static were a ghost signal. It isn't. Something's happening. Yes. For better or worse. We go to static after we lose signal. Basically all that happens in this. We do get the cold open dead body. Yeah. We get confusion from Maine because I didn't catch it until the second part that these guys aren't with the team. They're at a completely different area, even though there's a lower third that tells me that. That's a good point because I read that and you're right. They never show up again. The next scene. Mm -hmm. We're in Mulder's office. Pierce is showing a videotape to Mulder and Scully. The first part of the tape is from a newscast. They love to do that. I love it too because the reporter guy has an amazing voice. <laughs> yes. That guy should have been a bigger part of the scene, or a, a bigger part of the episode for some reason. Like, <laughs> why is the reporter guy here? Because I have a great voice. <laughs> Maybe he'll return. I did not <laughs> add him to the cast. <laughs> I hope he does. I hope he shows up. He's like, hi. Hello, Agent Mulder. <laughs> I am that reporter from the other episode. <laughs> I have the voice. Would you like to hear me speak more? <laughs> Because I can. Yes. We get a we get an introduction to Trepkos, right? He's like leaning on the firewalker, all cash. I hated him from before <laughs> he opened his mouth. You just looked at him and knew, oh, that's the type of guy that said, 
I wish I could have voted three times for Obama. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, and then he became that guy. This is everybody's origin story. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is how O'Neill ends up in Saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she starts doing drugs because of her PTSD. Right. Which fair? Because <laughs> nobody else is gonna help her. Right. <laughs> and then she gets captured by um, Jigsaw. Jigsaw. And then she's like, you know what? This is something to do with my life. Yeah. I've been thinking I needed to do a thing. Yeah. And then Trepkos went on to become a doctor and learn how to do brain transplants. Yep. Yeah. He is the most smart person you have yeah. ever met. Genius. Most smart, not smartest. Most, Most smart. smart. Ugh. You know, Bradley Whitford didn't know that was a joke. Which part? I, yeah, I would have voted for him three times if I could. Ugh. He was like, yeah, I would have. Uh, he is this guy. He is this guy. <sighs> Stop hiring him. You said he was in a third of everything. <laughs> he is. That means you have too much money and not enough reality <laughs> in your life. <laughs> Which is why you say shit like that. Yes. Ugh. Alright, so I knew right from the get I was going to not like this guy. And mm-hmm. then the more that I find out about him and his other characters, the, the, <laughs> the less I like him. So, it all tracks. Pierce shows the agents... Oh, so he shows... The, so, anyway. I said that already, but then we talked a lot. So Pierce does show the agents the video um, of the Firewalker about to go on mission. Then he tells them that he was there, but he came back. So, initially, when the Firewalker was going to go... He must have been on site. I don't think we see him in the video footage. He and Trepkos nearly came to blows, which is exactly how two professionals should react and diffuse situations. Well, that's how you react when your name's Tuck Milligan. I guess so. Tuck Milligan doesn't take no guff. I guess not. Apparently, Trepkos was the quintessential smart guy who was allowed to be an asshole because people believed he was a genius. Yeah. Which I hate. And not how real life works. It is how real life works. Oh. In my real life, if a smart asshole gives me guff, I come to blows with him. <laughs> okay. Okay, Milligan. <laughs> Dave Reed don't take no guff either. Wow. Wow. I, said, I sock him in the jaw. Wow. Is this your new character for 2022? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Pierce says Prepcos started exhibit, exhibiting symptoms of crazy. <laughs> Bipolar disorder? So, he says something that I paraphrased as crazy question mark. It wasn't good. And they definitely, this is another episode that they definitely lose the thread of how to talk about mental illness. Yeah. Um, but either way, Trepko started acting in a way that wasn't just regular asshole, but like super asshole. And so Pierce decided he wasn't going to take it anymore. And he left instead of punching somebody. Tuck Milligan, pieces out. I love toxic masculinity. It is my favorite. <laughs> it's fun to make fun of. <laughs> so that's what we see. We know that Pierce was involved for, at, for some time and then he wasn't anymore. So now he's not there and he's sending the agents away. And they show him the video and they're surprised that anything can live in these temperatures. So I looked up how... Hot can it get and you still survive? Oh, okay. 
you can spend 10 minutes in 140 degree temperature and still live, which is very hot. That is hot. But Mulder and Trepkos later in the episode just hang out oh, in yeah. this cave. They're just super hanging. With no problems whatsoever. Trepkos is a little burnt up. He's a little crispy. Maybe he's just down there baking from the outside. He could. Well, isn't that how you bake? I think that's how you bake. I think that's how you bake. Microwave is from the inside. Uh, microwave is just vibrating water molecules very quickly. And the friction causes the heat. Like when you would stand on one of those little platforms and put the belt around you and it shook you, it <laughs> yeah. jiggled you. Yeah, like 50s exercise machines. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's exactly. what the microwave's doing. That's what the microwave food. does. Oh, I'm going to watch next time. <laughs> yeah, nobody ever watches it. That's why they get the little rotating thing at the bottom. <laughs> makes sense. It all makes sense. It's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So next, let's go to the Cascade Mountain Range. You ready? Yes. Here we go. I would love a Cascadian dark ale right now. Oh, I would love a, a deep Pinot Noir. Oh. Which has anything to do with the Cascade Mountains, but <laughs> that's what I would have. Sure it does. Napa Valley, Cascade Mountains, just right there. It's all right <laughs> together. It's all close. So Pierce, Mulder, and Scully fly in a helicopter to the project station. There is occasional radio traffic in the background, so you know that they're not in the middle of nowhere, nowhere. Pierce points to the mist-covered volcano. Oh, sounds beautiful. This is where we last see Pierce alive. Yeah, dude, just uh, as soon as he walks away from them, I go, oh, R.I.P. that guy. Yep, he splits from the agents to go survey the equipment rather than looking for the rest of the descent team. I guess he and Trepko's really had it out. If he's just like, fuck that team. Yeah, I don't care. I'm going to go check the millions of dollars in project money. Or no, millions of project dollars. That's what it was. Yes. Like, how are project dollars different than... I don't know, but they probably are. Regular dollars? They're all made up, so it's all earmarked for different things. But yes, as soon as he splits from the agents, we were like, bye bye The, uh, there's a little bit of trivia. The set used for the exterior of the field base camp was later sold to the production company responsible for the TV series, The Sentinel. Oh, okay. 1996. All right. I know. I wrote that in there, but I don't know what The Sentinel is. I didn't watch it. Did you? Nope. Sounds like you didn't. Somebody probably did. There you go. That guy. I recognize that guy. Okay. He's another who's who of that guy's. Yep. The agents go inside, and we see a guy in the background, and I go, it's Tombs! They lit him just like they used to like Tombs, they except did. he doesn't have the yellow eyes. Right! So I was really excited, and then it wasn't. Yeah. I also wrote down Tombs! <laughs> yes. It's actually Ludwig, and he attacks Mulder. So at least Mulder gets attacked. Yeah, that's nice. It's good. I love that for him. <laughs> It's uh, one of the few times Mulder just doesn't have his gun out waving it at everybody. Mm-hmm. Seems to not wave his gun at anybody when he's going to be attacked. Hmm. He just has his gun out when he's threatening uh, black maintenance men. Oh, God. Holding light, light bulbs. bulbs. Ugh. I don't love that for anybody. So after that scuffle, Mulder doesn't get smacked in the head with, what did Ludwig have? It looked like an ice pick you'd go ice rock climbing with. Like a rock climbing pick. Okay, yeah. That's what it looked like to me. So Mulder doesn't get brained, and we meet the rest of the team. They're all somebodies, and we discover that Trepkos was not only an awful genius, but also a bipolar off his meds! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Because 
He has to be, because that's what we're doing here. It is. Bonus. Mm-hmm. He probably abused his wife also. Uh, did he have a wife? Yes. You missed all of that? I missed Trepko's having a wife. Yes, Trepko's had a wife. And he was cheating on his wife with O'Neill. I... And everybody but you knew it. <laughs> I totally didn't catch that Trepko's had a wife. The only wife I remember being mentioned was Erickson's wife. No, because they said... Because O'Neill says something about he was fine. He had bipolar, we think. It wasn't broadcast, but it wasn't a secret. And he was fine as long as he was taking his meds. Yeah. And one of the other guys goes, I don't think his wife would say the same thing. No, he said, I think Erickson's wife would beg to disagree. Does he? Yeah, because he murdered Erickson. So he wasn't having an affair with O'Neill the whole time? Oh, he definitely was banging a student. Yes, but I didn't catch that he was married to somebody else i totally thought he was married to someone else so never mind let's switch that and you and everybody knew that he didn't have a wife except (laughs) for me all right oh no he's scummy just not as scummy as you thought huh well i still don't like him yeah that's he's still still preying on one of his students yes yeah he's just not cheating on somebody to do it okay (laughs) <laughs> it's like what they see on the Bechtel cast. Or scraps, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so outside, we go to visit... Uh, what's his name? Pierce. Is it Pierce? Yes. Pierce, who... So we do actually end up seeing him one last time. We see him. We see a seismograph, which I meant to look up to see if they actually look like that or if that was just a they do. simple prop. No. You've seen them? I've seen them. Are you a seismic doctor? I, yes. <laughs> I've got my PhD in seismography. Whoa! You should hang it up over there next to our lordship registration. <laughs> yeah, I should. <laughs> uh, we see Trepko's Garrett Pierce. And is it Garrett or Garrett? I think either one is acceptable. Great. He murders him. Apparently the new life form that they discovered inside the volcano has infected them, and if they leave, it will get into the world, and Pierce is dead. I think I think you're jumping ahead on that one. They don't mention that till later. Well, Trep goes as he's killing Pierce, says, says... Nobody can leave. Yeah. And we already know that there's... You didn't guess that that's what they were doing? I didn't guess that that's what they were doing, though. No. Sorry. <laughs> It's like this is exactly ice <laughs> the whole time. I waited for them to tell me. All right, you're right. They shouldn't get any credit for things that don't happen on screen. Yeah, I thought at this point, I thought they were going, "Ooh, crazy guys murdering people. Why is he crazy? Ooh, is there a?" He's crazy because he's off his meds, David. Yeah. Well, that's the ex- explanation they gave, so that's what I was going with. Oh my god! At There's... first, I thought it was a volcano monster. That was killing people. That would have been so much better. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> well, okay. So all of this is happening. Trepkos says that nobody can leave. So we know Trepkos is the murderer. We don't know why. I know why. You know why. But then again, I thought he had a wife. So maybe mm-hmm. I don't know why. Who knows? Nobody not, knows. Not, not me. Nobody, nobody knows. And then something happens and we don't know. So uh, Pierce is dead. Trepkos leaves. And it is now dark outside. It seems like when they were they went inside, we had plenty of sun. Yeah, because Trepkos kills Pierce in the daylight. Yes. So how long were they looking 
for this body because it is dark outside when they find him. Uh, it took him a long time to figure out he was missing, I think. It seems like it took too long, in my opinion. Because the amount of time... This is another situation that The X-Files does often where the time doesn't quite sync up. It was bright when they landed. They went inside, getting attacked... Excuse me, getting attacked and meeting the whole team. Let's just say it takes an hour. Okay. And then they go outside to look for Pierce. Even if the sun was setting, it wouldn't be fully dark. And he was looking for... He was looking at all the equipment, so isn't that where you would start? Probably. Wouldn't the equipment be nearby? Hmm, not necessarily. Not necessarily, but I don't know why the seismography equipment would be so far away. Or do you think Trepkos dragged his body elsewhere? didn't look like it. It looked like he just dropped him. No. I was busy looking at the way that Tuck Milligan plays a dead body. Yes. With his tongue sticking out. Yes. Because that was fantastic. It Only was... Tuck Milligan would make that choice. <laughs> it was a choice. Well, they find him and they take his body inside. Um, Tanaka is the one who finds his body. And then as they're hauling everybody inside, I wanted to ask, can anything live in a volcanic interior? Oh, I bet the answer is yes. Even though this episode tells us multiple times no. Right. Because when they bring him inside, Mulder and Scully have a discussion. And Scully is adamant that nothing can survive near a volcano. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. So I did just very brief research. In 2009, the Oregon State University researchers found that shrimp, crab, limpets, and barnacles... They found all of those things living around a highly active volcano near Guam. And I was like, well, that's all I need. I just needed one answer. And these aren't single-cell organisms. Right. These are critters. Yeah. But that's in 09. So in 94, apparently, we believed otherwise. We were stupid in 94. Oh, everybody was so dumb. <laughs> Anybody who graduated high school in or before 1994 <laughs> is an idiot. Uh-oh. <laughs> 95, baby. <laughs> oh, so so we know that things can live in a volcanic interior now. Yes. But then they didn't. Mulder is saying that it must be a... Silicone-based life form. Silicone-based life form based on literally nothing. Sand. Based on sand. Based on a sketch of sand. Yeah. The sand molecule. <laughs> the sand molecule. The sand molecule. <laughs> That's how sand works. It is. Sand is made of molecules. <laughs> it's made of one type of molecule. The sand molecule. All sand is exactly the same. Silicon dicarbonate. <laughs> so they have a back and forth where everybody's proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Except me. That's right. And Mulder's like, but dude, they're all acting weird. And Scully's like, but dude. Of course they're acting weird. They've been out here for a year in solitude and one of their one of the five people they've seen every single day for the entire time has killed another person that they've seen every day for the entire time. And I want to know why are they so secluded? They're just in California. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't seem like they would need to be. <laughs> Can't somebody like go fill their prescription at CVS? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't seem like they would need to be out there all by themselves for a year. Forever? No, yeah. it seems like taking a half-day trip down to the closest... It could be a little town. It doesn't have to be a city, but, like... Yeah. Come on. 
Also, this is one of the things that I feel like maybe another pass at the script would have helped clear up. Yeah. Because Mulder just jumps to this wild conclusion about them acting paranoid and strange. Based on the fact that they're all freaking out. But they have every reason to freak out. Right. So, something needed to be tweaked here. I agree. And Scully says, well, yes, of course they're they're acting strange. They're suffering from PTSD. Which she could suspect, but I say that Mulder should have theoretically been able to diagnose it. Since he's the psychologist? Yes, and and it doesn't cross his mind at all that PTSD is even a consideration here. (laughs) Psychology rarely does cross his mind. It rarely does, you're correct. And so you and I were talking during this, oh, was PTSD a thing then? Because we've all gotten used to that term being in our daily lives, or in the zeitgeist now. And so I looked it up, and it first appeared... In the DSM-3 in 1980, was revised in 1987, and was revised again in 1994. Oh, 1980, okay. Yep, so they weren't calling it terrible, terrible other things. Right. So after that little bit, uh, Scully talks to O'Neill, and it's everything that we already know. Mulder goes to see Tanaka and Ludwig during a tremor. Tanaka isn't doing great. It's very bare in ice vibes. Is He's what so I sweaty. So I looked at him at first and I was like, is this, are they doing this? Because they're like, they work in a volcano, so it must be hot. And <laughs> <laughs> but then I looked at the other guys and I was like, they're fine. So that's not it. That guy really didn't want to see a doctor though. He did not. He collapses. Mulder goes off to get Scully because she's a medical doctor, but he didn't want to. And while Mulder's away, Ludwig tells Tanaka, you need to do this because this is basically how we get out of here. Yeah. This is like the best whatever. Although at this point, they aren't them anymore because this is straight up the thing. Is that what it? This is another thing that the script needs another pass because it was never clear to me that these guys are not themselves. They say it in a sentence. Um, when when uh, Mulder runs into the cave and finds... Trepkos. Trepkos. Yeah, Trepkos mentions it offhandedly, but it being mentioned and it being shown... Are completely, completely disconnected. Dead. Yeah. It's never really shown until Shawnee Smith at the end handcuffs herself to Scully. Right. That's it. it. Everything else, what they're doing, isn't that out of character? Right. For people who want to get the hell out of here. Right. So it's it, they don't ever make the proper connection. I agree. For the spore to be taking them over. Right. But then the spore dies immediately. Yeah. This this organism does not make any sense. No, it doesn't. At all. <laughs> no. When Tanaka collapses, he uh, he wants to get away from everybody, so he's running out through the woods. It's raining. Well, first, he makes them put him on a stretcher and carry him upstairs. Because he wanted to escape, but he did not want to walk up any stairs. <laughs> So he got got on a stretcher and they carried him up and he immediately bails. I know why you noticed that. (laughs) Because you're like smart. Yeah. That's a smart man. This is genius. (laughs) So as he's running through the woods, Mulder and Ludwig, right, are chasing him. And (laughs) I just said, it's raining. It seems to always be raining in the forests of Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Their shooting season is rainy season. Mulder's just standing in the rain in one shot, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, he is miserable. Because all I hear, everything that I've read and overheard, is that Mulder 
hated the location. Oh, really? And they were always shooting on location in Canada, and it was uh. always rainy, and he just had such a bad attitude about it. <laughs> so I was just watching him stand in the rain, being rained on, and he was just like... You know what? I'm going to say that's not actor diva behavior. That's reasonable. I agree. Yeah. I would also hate it, but it was funny knowing that knowing, that's... Knowing that he's miserable in real life? Yes. <laughs> that is funny. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Tanaka runs until he falls off a cliff. I could not remember the name of what that would be. It's not really a cliff. It's ravine? kind of a, a okay. Ravine sounds better because it's in. It's from a forest into a more forest. But it's lower forest. Yes. From the high forest to the low forest. <laughs> yes. And Ludwig wants to follow him, and Mulder keeps him from following him, which is great because. That's when some stuff happens, and then an erect penis erupts from Tanaka's throat. <laughs> oh. That's not the way you want an erect penis in your throat. Ew. I hate everything. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> you should have just left it there. You... Hi, Dave Reed. Have we met? I don't think so. Because <laughs> it shoots out of his throat and then it just kind of waves a little bit. <laughs> oh, and he dies. <laughs> yeah. And Mulder and Ludwig just watch. Ludwig sounds like a big dog name. <laughs> so they take the body into the station. Tanaka's body is wrapped in plastic in an isolation area and Scully is at a microscope. Tanaka has sand in his lungs, which you mentioned sand earlier. It's probably a spore. It's probably airborne. They, they are probably spreading it as we speak. And they're probably also already infected. This is all based on what Scully's saying at the microphone. The microphone. <laughs> yep. Keeping it. But no one's wearing a mask. No one considers no. separating. No. We're dealing with an airborne infection. Let's all just... Breathe in each other's faces. Mm -hmm. Mulder goes to talk to Ludwig, who is obviously a person of interest to us. And now that I say that, was he a person of interest to you at this point? Because I, he was a person of interest to me. Mm. But now I've already thought there was a wife that didn't exist. <laughs> and then something else that I've already forgotten. <laughs> but Mulder doesn't feel like Ludwig is a person of interest at this point. Mulder wants Ludwig to tell him with his mouth... How to get through the, the mines. And Ludwig immediately talks his way into being Mulder's guide. It took him less time than it took Mulder to dissuade Scully from going with him. Yeah. He says something about the fact that uh, this is our chance to change what we understand about science. And that is totally not the point of what we are doing right now, Mulder. It isn't. That is secondary at best to survival. Yes. What are you doing? He's doing a Mulder. Mulder doesn't care about people's lives over the truth. The truth. It's a character flaw that I think a lot of people overlook. It's pretty, it's a pretty big flaw. And this is where I wrote, uh, oh, it's our quarantine episode for season two. Oh, okay. Yes. So then they go down into the mine and Mulder makes some quip about, is this toxic fumes? 
And Ludwig's like, no, it just smells like rotten eggs. And yeah. then fireworks. And then gets shot and killed with a flare gun. <laughs> Roman candle time. Yes. So I looked up on How Stuff Works, mm-hmm. which is the website that I use to tell us how to break into cars. Okay, cool. <laughs> Not break into. Uh-huh. Hot wire. Hot wire cars. So I basically asked, can a flare gun just kill a person? My guess is yes, but not when it's shot from like a hundred yards away. And it's such a straight line. This was like a really powerful flare gun. It was so powerful. And when I saw the gun in his hand, I was like, those, this doesn't, (laughs) this doesn't commute. This and that don't go together. No. It was wild. It was like a long shot sniper shot. Yes. (laughs) With a flare gun. Right. And then he's just holding a little, a thing that's a little flare gun the size of your palm you know like a flare gun would be yeah the kind you get on a boat yes so how stuff works says flare guns can be quite dangerous they can kill if fired at a person so don't do that right flare guns have also in the past been modified to take real ammunition that's a dumb idea that's horrifying which is why i put it in there or kept it in there a flare can also cause a fire that may lead to serious injury, death, or damage. Yeah. So, be careful with your flare guns and... Well, they didn't really go into how. Like, I think you got to get shot in the head in order to be killed by a flare gun. They didn't really. I didn't and read like, through the... And, like, up close. It's got... It's just... You get hit in the back with a flare gun from, like, far away. I don't think you're... I think you're going to hate it. Yes. I think you're going to go to the hospital. If his clothes had caught on fire, that would have been more... Yeah. Realistic. But, yeah. I don't think that's going to kill you. I don't know, man. He was sniped by a flare gun. It was. It was was a good shot. Trepko's burned, grimy, and sweaty, stalks out of the shadows and points the flare gun at Mulder. And we're like, ooh, Mulder, how's it feel? Having a gun pointing (laughs) at at you instead. And at this distance, I think a flare gun can be pretty dangerous. Yeah, because they're they're pretty close. They're probably close enough to share spores. Yeah, probably. (laughs) In the cave, Trepkos is still holding the flare gun at Mulder. He gets Mulder's gun from him and pours gas on Ludwig's body and lights it aflame. We go back to Scully, and she's saying to a recorder, I have attempted to culture the spore using temperatures ranging from human basal to those approximating the volcanic interior. I've used nutritive mediums containing human tissue, blood and saliva, even sulfur. However, none of the seven trials have successfully grown the fungus that killed Tanaka. Based on this preliminary data, I've come to the following hypothesis, that unless the spores are ingested or inhaled by the host organism immediately upon their release, they become harmless, effectively dead. Well, that's great news. It is, especially since this is their quarantine episode and they're all inside. Yes. But also the dumbest way for an organism to spread. Exactly my point. This organism makes no sense. No, this organism would die out immediately. It, when it erupts, it kills its host, and the spores don't last very long. Mm-mm. This is the worst spreading organism of all time. If they should last for at least an hour. And yeah. then, then you'd be cooking with fire. Yeah. I tried to think of a phrase people said. You got one. I got one. You nailed it. <laughs> I picked one that is a phrase. Yep. <laughs> she goes to tell O'Neill the good news, but we know O'Neill is already infected. Oh. Did you know O'Neill was already infected? Because now I have to ask every time. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah. We already knew. Yes, because at this point, Trepkos told Mulder. 
Oh, yes. That everybody was infected. And now I'm thinking that they made a mistake making Scully a doctor. Because she has been a psychologist in the first season, and she's a biologist in this season. She says she's not a biologist, David. And then she does biology. Yes, I know. She's the an ologist of whatever needs to be right. done. She, she's the scientist. Right. So, somehow. Like, every TV show ends up falling into this trap. Of course. Where the smart person does all the smart people things. Right. Like, Scully's going to be a hacker in season six. Right. Because, oh, well, you know, she's smart, so she is a hacker, too. So she understands how this works. Yeah. In real life, people specialize. <laughs> in fake life, people can... If you're smart, you're. it means you're smart at everything. Yeah. I guess I understand it because every cast would have to be an ensemble. Yeah. 12, 12 people per TV show. It would be really interesting to see them come up against something like, well, I'm not a biologist, and so they actually have to get a biologist, or they can't figure out this clue, so they have to do a different workaround to find out what the clues are. They actually did that in ICE. Well, they that's why brought, ICE was uh, so yeah. much better. Yeah. Huh. Good job, everybody. Yay. So, um, O'Neill is infected. She's in her room being all sweaty and gross. She, Tanaka, and Ludwig have all been infected the whole time. Wow. Which is what Trepkos is telling Mulder in the mines, right? Yeah. This is where he mentions that they're not them anymore. Right. Just real offhandedly. Because he saw it take over their bodies, even though he was... Not there? He wasn't there when the body, the spore exploded. Which also, by the way, we did not see on the video... And we saw that whole body. If yeah. it had, everything's erupted out of the throat. Yeah. There we, was not an eruption out of that throat. I'm willing to chalk that one up to bad video. Standard definition video. Are you? Less than standard definition. They have Clarify on all of their cameras. Uh, Clarify brings it up to standard definition. <laughs> all right. I don't like it, but whatever. So he said, he did say that he watched them all change or something. Something like that, yeah. So I guess they got infected immediately. And then once they are infected, they're not infectious, even while they're going through the change. Right, until it goes poof out their neck. This creature is not one I want to deal with. So there we are. And we now know, according to Scully's voiceover, we know what Mulder and Scully's plot armor is going to be. Oh, because they're not near anybody. Because when they explode. Right. They have to be away as the thing explodes, and then it's effectively dead. Which is then what makes the next scene, or the scene shortly, so trepidatious. Yeah, I like that you mentioned plot armor, because it would be wild if they went through the whole abduction thing with Skelly. Just a killer in this episode. People would be so mad. I would have been mad, but I would have been like, wow, I didn't see it coming. They would have burned down Fox headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> and in 2021, just like watching it now, that would have been hilarious. Right. <laughs> but at the time, people would have been so mad. That's true. Trepkos explains what we already know and how he didn't get infected. Mulder wants to go to Scully because, obviously... Scully is in danger without knowing it, because she's always in danger without knowing it. Mulder is her savior, telling Trepkos he'll have to shoot Mulder because Mulder is going to Scully if he doesn't shoot him. And he doesn't. He doesn't. So, good job, everybody? I guess that was an empty threat. 
after all. <laughs> Apparently. And maybe the Trap guy. Ghost maybe Trap Ghost was like, you know what, I've been in this volcano for how many minutes did you say that you could stay at 140? <laughs> Ten. Ten. Been in this volcano for nine minutes and 30 seconds. I got to get out of here. Better leave. <laughs> I imagine he thought, well, I can just kill him back at the base. It's not, That's probably what not happened. That a big, <laughs> not that big a thing. There's like one other, per- this, one other person. I have a flare, but still. And the gun. He's got Mulder's gun. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We see Scully being completely oblivious in her lab. The lights go out. It's a good thing this parasite isn't the Darkness Falls parasite, Ooh. which is another bottle episode with the same premise. <laughs> no, they don't. They're not contagious in Darkness Falls. Darkness Falls That's yeah. true. O'Neill finds Scully in the dark, looking rough and obviously about to hatch. She handcuffs herself to Scully, and Scully's like, "O'Neill, what are you doing? Oh my gosh!" Which is appropriate because this is the first time they've displayed any behavior that suggests that they're being controlled by the spores. She's, she's the only one. Yeah. Like, I guess you could say Ludwig and Tanaka wanting to get out of there could be that. But that's also could just be people who are been stuck there. Right. With people dying. Right. We need to get out of here. Yes. So it's obvious that O'Neill has been infected and she's the only one that we see being infected which also makes sense to some of her mannerisms earlier it's like what are they doing with this character because she had she had like little ticks mm-hmm. earlier and i was like that's fine she could just have that but this is the x-files so we know that that's not the case <laughs> i wonder <laughs> she was the only one directed to act weird i wonder or she was the only one who read the script and went i should be acting weird that could be it yeah because it made sense. Yeah, she's like, oh, we're controlled by spores. I should act like I'm controlled by spores. Right. I should act like I don't behave exactly the same way to every situation as I would as a human. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shawnee Smith, if that was your decision, good decision. Yes. Because I noticed her being strange throughout. Yeah. Nobody else was doing anything, like you've mentioned before, doing anything that would be beyond acceptable levels of our people are being killed by our other people, and yeah. we would like to not be here for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a whole scene where Scully tries to get away, and then she picks up O'Neill in a fireman carry and throws her into a quarantine area where O'Neill ex- essentially explodes. Yeah, somehow she gets the door shut, even though there's a handcuff chain in the door jam. Plot armor. Yeah, <laughs> plot armor. <laughs> so she doesn't get infected, which is great. O'Neill doesn't make it out of this episode, which is not great. And. R.I.P. to a real one. Yep. Trepkos follows Mulder in. At Mulder finds Scully. Trepkos comes in shortly thereafter and notices that nobody else is infected. Mulder wants to call for evacuation and says that it's just for two people. Yeah. And Scully's like, but we're the law and that's not how the law works. And Mulder's like, he's not going to talk, so. I don't like the reason Mulder gives, but I the decision I'm here for. Right, but that's not what cops do. Right. So no props to the cops. No props to the cops. And <laughs> they're going to want to question him. I don't care. Right. <laughs> What's the point? We know what happened. No, no one's going to believe any of us. Yeah. This guy killed some people, I guess. But were they really people? <laughs> I don't know. This guy helped prevent a massive outbreak. 
Yes. So, no reason for him to spend the rest of his life in prison. I agree. I'm not saying that the decision was wrong. I'm saying the cops would not make the right decision. What I'm saying. Well, you know, Mulder's not like the other typical. cops. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <sighs> <laughs> so we um, we know that Mulder and Scully get evacuated. Trepkos carries O'Neill's body into the caves. Which, I, I guess he's going to walk into the lava. I guess. Whatever he's doing. And then there's Mulder does a voiceover explaining the rest of it. And you can you can be Mulder. Oh, okay. It's a bit long, but it's this. Skip that, because that's the ten... We've already did that, and then that. Scully and I are in our third day of a month-long quarantine. Parentheses. Editor's note. Uh, they'll probably make that quarantine five days. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, I, other side note... Want the next episode to be them in quarantine. Yeah, right. We've had to be in quarantine for so long. Uh, We're like, it's not really quarantine. No. Isolation. Mm. Partial isolation. Mm. <laughs> Whatever. We've had to be in a state that does nothing to prevent the spread of a disease and also damages us mentally. Yes. I would like to stop that, please. Yeah. Do How about damage us mentally and stop the disease or no, just that. Just stop the fucking disease, please. Yes. Jesus Christ. Yep. <laughs> I'm cutting most of that out. Uh, start this over. Scully and I are in our third day of a month-long quarantine, undergoing level four decon procedures. We are so far without symptoms of fungal contamination. All our specimens and field notes were confiscated by the military biohazard corps prior to our evacuation. Their presence has delayed for an indefinite period the arrival of the USGS data retrieval team. I suspect, though, that there will be little left for them to retrieve. There are no plans at present to explore further any of the hundreds of volcanically activity... Volcanically? Volcanically <laughs> active mountains in the Cascade Range, including Mount Avalon. All access points to that volcano have been sealed off by army engineers. I love it when they don't know how to end an episode, so they're like, we're going to just have Mulder, do, Mulder or Scully do a voiceover for five minutes straight. Of the members of the Firewalker descent team, only Trepkos and O'Neill remain unaccounted for. They are presumed dead, and the search for them has been abandoned. Firewalker, however, was recovered, though its sensory and locomotive systems were found irreparably damaged. Okay. So they stopped the search team for this obvious murderer, because that's the story we're going with, right? Okay. After less than three days. Yep. Three days. <laughs> okay. Because they're in third day of their month-long quarantine. Yep. Okay. Just checking. The data collected from the Earth's interior will never be known. And of the events that occurred at Mount Avalon between the 11th and 13th of November, 1994, mine stands as the only record. Mulder holds the record. Aww. And during this voiceover, they hover on this army guy's arm patch for a second. Like, yeah. Like we're supposed to know what that is. Right. Was uh, I was going to make a joke about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I forgot what the other group was. Uh, Hydra? Yes. Was it Hydra? It was not. It I was didn't not think Hydra. so. I feel like I would pick that out. Probably. Maybe. I don't know what it was. I hope it comes back. If it doesn't come back. Oh, was it the Blue Berets? Probably. Maybe it was the Blue Berets. It probably was. Mm. Good job. Man, I am a genius. You are an ex-filer. I am a genius. That's why I get to be an asshole to everybody. Get like out. this. Stop! <laughs> ah! <laughs>
<laughs> All right, who are you shipping? Um, O'Neill and someone from her college who oh. is a student. Oh, okay. I was going to say Trevco's is from her college. All right, I am shipping everybody in this airborne contagion situation and some fucking masks. Ah, okay. How are you surviving? I am surviving by just waiting because this, this organism sucks. This <laughs> organism is stupid. It's a terrible way to procreate. I wonder how long it incubates. That was unclear. A few days, they, apparently. They all exploded at different times. Yeah. So, I guess different incubations. Yeah. But that's how I'm surviving. Just wait, because this thing is going to go extinct real fast. Right. I don't understand. I don't understand how the spores were infective to begin with if they're not inhaled immediately. Me neither. What did they open? Volcanic glass. So this is a non-issue. I'm surviving because this is a non-issue. Like me. Just wait. Yep. (laughs) Because it's fine. All right. All right. Somehow I did actually like the episode, though. Good job. <laughs> as much as as much as I'm complaining about it, I guess. I did, uh, I did like, I, it entertained me. I would have watched Ice again instead. Ah, okay then. But I didn't get to. All right. All right. Well. Happy New Year. Happy New You. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at CastFiles. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at TheCastFiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by at Art. That's O-O-K-A-A-R-T. 